0: it's a sensitive delicate deal dragging brand new songs out of the sky trading ideas accepting some storing others in the maybe later bag moving on and along with hardly a plan during the Zep years I never imagined a full-scale album project without the other guys and even less the idea of new writing partners but then Since 1981, I've enjoyed many amazing, exciting musicians in the sharing, in the writing, in production and engineering. Men and women who encouraged and enlightened, introducing me to crazy curves I could never have imagined. For this podcast, I'm going to be picking out some songs from here and there along the way, mixing constant shifts in sound and intention from across this long, old time. There's a story in all of them. I'm Robert Plant and this is Digging Deep.
1: Hello, my name is Matt Everett and I'm very pleased to be welcoming you to episode two, season four of Digging Deep with Robert Plant. In this podcast, Robert chooses a track from his back catalogue and we journey through its creation, stopping along the way at various checkpoints and hostelries to muse deeper into the world from which it sprang. Today is a song called Rude World. Like a few of the songs in the podcast, it's collaboration, and like all of the songs in the podcast, there's an interesting story attached. The track was written by Rainer Tychek, a singer, songwriter, and remarkable slide guitar player from Tuscan, Arizona. Many people, including Robert, were impressed by his skill and style, and in fact, Robert enlisted him during the sessions for the recording of his 1993 album, Fate of Nations. Now in February 1996, Rayner was diagnosed with a brain tumour and mounting medical costs prompted a benefit album from which this song is taken, recorded by Robert Plant with Rayner and Jimmy Page. And June the 7th, 2021, would have been his 70th birthday. Robert will explain more and better than me in a moment. But on the subject of music with the power to help, our conversation in this episode started off with a question related to lockdown. It's kind of hard to avoid even still and how music made itself felt during the past year and a half. in terms of what we've all just been through and what some of us are still going through through this lockdown and stuff lots of people lots of people turned to music i think i know they did so you know there was some people turned to music that was really familiar as a kind of comfort and some people yeah. turned to music that was brand new to kind of keep them engaged did you find yourself listening to more stuff did you find yourself what, were you drawn to different kinds of music over the past year when you haven't been able to go and play well
0: it's interesting really yes i Depending on my mood, I would go to the mood would call me in and call music into me, so I'd be very happy listening to goretchky and and going, "Oh God this is crazy! How do I get out of here? You know, I keep looking at maps, right, yeah, and uh talking about countries that no longer exist who've changed their names three times with different currencies and different post talking about philately stamps places way over yonder, looking more and more, reading more and more about faraway places. And then I would associate myself, I think, I never even thought about it until you mentioned it now, with times in my life which had really deep resonance. And I would go to those eras, mm. not particularly specific songs, but uh, yeah. And voices too, I mean, especially voices. People who could really... Um, shape what they were writing about without any restraint I don't mean little Richard but I mean people who were actually laying down some poignant heartfelt stuff and they could sing it so that it would be almost no vocal performance or at the right time it would be this amazing uh, not explosion but the expression of it all yeah yeah you know, hearing people Charlie Rich, the way he sings, uh, insane. The whole idea of actually being I mean, my songwriting is pretty it just goes in a straight line. Uh it's, oh, well don't. what it the idea of actually me taking on the guise of somebody who's been in some situation that you can only watch from afar. Okay. Um, is it's more than I could even imagine to voice somebody else's condition yeah. and actually be them in the song, which I think is a really, you know, I mean, Dylan is Dylan as, I mean, forever Dylan, you know, rough and rowdy ways that, uh,
1: yeah. It's good record.
0: So there you have people who've lived a life and they are actually telling it, you know, and there's no la la la. About, <laughs> there is la la la, but, you know, What is that opening track on Dylan's record? I am, I contain multitudes. It's just, he's able to, whimsically almost, I would say, tells us the story of how he, what he sees of himself and how he sees other people seeing him. The First time I heard it, it was in the middle of the lockdown ease. And I was uh, driving somewhere, of course, in Suffolk, and this, I uh, just put the record on and I just went, but well, this is the story of all of our lives, except for he's, had, he's taken the bends in a totally different way, the curves, yeah. which is tremendous, uh, very moving. And yet, who knows, he could have probably written uh, for about a week in that idiom, that way of seeing it all, you know. It's, yeah, very special writing for now. You must be proud of yourself. Take a stand against the world Robot man with your fist in the: air.
1: I found myself listening to lots of instrumental stuff, lots of lots of jazz stuff, lots of Oscar Peterson, hmm. um, lots of Jimmy Smith, because yeah. like, like there was you're like, I, I don't really know when it was really bad, when things like when people were close to you, or one step away from you were getting ill. You know, I, I found it quite difficult to listen to songs because you're like, well, you, you, l- yeah. lyrically, I can't associate with that with right yeah. now. Mm. You know, it's you might be singing about the depression, you might be singing about your broken heart. That's not what's happening at mm. the moment. So I turn to lots of instrumental stuff, weirdly.
0: No, Jim, the Jimmy Smith. I mean, the thing is you, with post-bebop jazz, you really do go somewhere mm-hmm. all the time. That's really, <laughs> yeah. Um, I've done a bit of that too, yeah. I've got records from when I was a teenager, Um some I think I must have uh, sort of bought them because it was the hip thing to do, sadly, when you were 18, to 17, to carry a, a Roland Kirk LP <laughs> under your arm past the art college, <laughs> you know. Look, girls. Yeah, we free kings. But um, but I'm still into the concussion that music can give. So I would listen to Elvin Jones and, mm. you know, that kind of wildness and the some of the Coltrane, Blue Train, where they really do step out. It's, yeah, it's sweet and sour for me, the whole thing about me. But I like lyric and I do get melodramatic as well because I imagine what it takes to, I mean, whose soul are you really bearing? Are you bearing your own soul? Are you, you know, are you actually, do you go into character or do you refer to people who you care about, who are in trouble? Mm. And the song pours out. From another angle, that's quite something. The people roll round and round, drift drifting from town to town, forgetting their friends, forgetting their names Overlook me now, but you can't skip James.
2: So-
1: This week's song is Rude World, um, which is from a tribute record. Weirdly, when we very first did the very first season of Digging Deep, we talked about this record a bit. Rudy with a flashlight, there's mm. there's a song on this compilation album performance by Evan Dando that I think is just one of yeah. the most brilliant, strange, seemingly unplanned, loose, little, beautiful yeah. snapshots of a song. Um, True. There's a real story about this this album and the and the guy who it was done for. Can you tell me about it? Because I, I wasn't that familiar with his story till then.
0: No. Um, I saw this guy, Reiner. there was a little bit of an underground conversation about this guy's style as a guitarist. And so I went to a club in Highbury about 1990, 91 or whatever it was. And he just, he had a, a, a resonator guitar and a couple of pedals. And he had this kind of, He could transport what you might have thought was a a blues idiom piece, which we've all heard that sort of thing. So we we said, oh, that's nice playing and all that. But he was able to capture parts of it, sample it, let it roll, and then play on top of it in a a very interesting, original way. So I just went away from there and I went to see him again. And then when the time came, I was recording Fate of Nations and... um, I contacted him and said, "Are you likely to be in England soon?" And he said, uh, n- "Not really." Uh, I said, "Well, would you come and play on the record?" So he came to Brack Studios, and he spent, I think, the best part of three and a half hours with me, and um, we just did anything we wanted to do, just left let the left the mics open and just sang and played, and it was great because he he was not he, I. He was actually a guy who worked in a, a brilliant musician, an amazing character, whose whole gig was renovating um, vintage guitars in Tucson, Arizona. Oh, so that was his kind of job job? Yeah. Oh, awesome. Well, he was part of, I think he was part of Giant Sand with Howe Gelb, mm-hmm. or he was in a group with Howe Gelb, and then How disappeared off someplace. And so he, he had this really remarkable and original process of playing and getting it over I felt kind of a, a bit like a kind of klaxon oh baby you know because when he sang he sang with this kind of beautiful lilt mm. and a, he was a smaller guy and he had this way so the guitar was doing the talking the the, the the interaction between his voice and his hands was really good and then i spoke to him one time and he'd fallen off his bike on the way to work or something like that and they found he had a brain tumor so i think it was there was a guy in new york at atlantic special products in those days there was a department i, mean, I think it more or less became the sort of the other side of warner brothers which would be david by the department of recording artists who you know weren't going to be part of the mainstream ever But um, so Yves Beauvais, a French guy, was working in in New York, and we spoke together about the idea of trying to raise some awareness of his music and putting the money into his medical costs.
1: Yeah, because he couldn't afford his health. No.
0: Well, the thing about that there was that in the States is when you've only got medical insurance for a particular period of time, and then you're on your own. And that same thing happened to Arthur Alexander, who who did shot of rhythm and blues and all that sort of thing. Same thing happened; his insurance ran out. So we started putting together people who might be interested, and that's when Evan Dando chose Rudy with flashlight. So Madeleine Peyroux was being heralded then through Atlantic as exactly what she is, magnificent, you know. So she appeared on it, and Emmy uh, Lou did. Uh, the Good Book, right? Wow, that's some song. I mean, Reiner had these fantastic little terms that he threw into his songs, little lyrical catches that spun round. Like uh, on uh, Rude World, he's talking about how, how glorious leaders. And his great line is, you can overlook me now, but you can't skip James. Yes, and I was going to ask about that line, which yeah. is brilliant. <laughs> yes, it's, it's tremendous. It's uh, So you can imagine him musing along and coming up with these vignettes, which he could put into the song, which was such a groove. And how wonderful to find that um, we were busy recording. It might have been parts of the unleaded... Uh, no quarter record with Jimmy Page um, at at Rack Studios and we had time to spare and we just cut it for the record and it's great I mean Jimmy's guitar is absolutely out of this world it's so good and the drumming and the great thing was that Charlie Jones played bass with us and Michael Lee playing drums we and we had this we were able to spin effects and over, overcook the snare and yeah. do stuff that uh, Jimmy and I would not have done in our normal relationship as songwriters and players. So we had these other influences coming in which made it quite a, a good sound and a good place to go.
1: It's a really interesting yeah. sounding record as well as being kind of yeah. lovely as well. Yeah. Did you speak too much kind of...
0: Reiner? Yeah. Yeah, well he, he things abated. He got... Better for a while, spoke to him, and whenever we actually, I think he got about a year's grace out of it. In fact, he's got a website still, and so his music is there. It's not just searching for it on YouTube, it's yeah.
1: That was Rude World by Rainer Thacek with Robert Plant and Jimmy Page. The album that song was taken from is called The Inner Flame and also includes performances from Howie Gelb, Evan Dando, Jonathan Richmond, Emmylou Harris, Madeline Peru and PJ Harvey. It's quite brilliant. You can get it now on streaming services, so listen to it there, but maybe also go and buy it from Bandcamp. Just a suggestion. And as Robert says, if you go to raininmusic.org, you're going to find out more about the man and his incredible music. We hope you've enjoyed listening. We'll be back soon with another episode and I believe we'll be talking about Richard and Linda Thompson. If you can't wait till then, all the other episodes of the Digging Deep podcast are available to stream and listen to now, so please subscribe. Until then, I've been Matt Everett. Thanks for listening. This has been a Cup and Nuzzle production.